24 through 37. But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. May God bless the reading of his word. As we begin Advent, um, it's always struck me as strange that Advent always begins with these kind of doomsday texts every year. There's, uh, on this Sunday, there is a, a rather glum text that we are given to read. And this is no exception. This particular one comes in the midst of Mark in what's called the Little Apocalypse. Uh, and it's called that because it's kind of written in an apocalyptic genre. Uh, apocalyptic writing was uh, a way of writing in the first century uh, Palestinian area that uh, really it only went on for about 200 years. But out of that we have many writings in this, in this genre. Uh, and part of that appears in Mark. We also have Revelation is one that uh, is uh, an apocalyptic writing as well. And it always deals with kind of end things. But to really understand what Mark is talking about in this uh, story, we need to understand the context that uh, comes out of that. I mentioned in, a, in our class this morning that uh, to not address the context of things going on in the Bible would be like writing a biography of Martin Luther King Jr. and not mentioning the state of racism in the United States at the time, right? It would be silly to do that, and it's silly to read these texts without really understanding Mark's community and the fledgling Christian community that was growing in first century Palestine. And Mark is writing at a time when there is a great rebellion going on about 66, uh, 66 years after Christ's death, uh, or in the year 66, I should say. Uh, the Jews in Palestine mounted up a rebellion against the Roman oppressor. And that went on until about 70 A.D., when that rebellion was squashed by the Romans 
and the and Jerusalem was sacked and sieged and the temple was destroyed in 70 AD a significant point in Christian history in Jewish history and in Roman history and the question was coming at this time when Mark was writing right about this time uh, somewhere between uh, right around 70 AD is when Mark was written and the question is coming to the Christian community uh, as this rebellion mounts from the Jews Christians will you join us there was still this for mo for the most part Jews, uh, Christ, all the Christians were still Jewish, really, practicing uh, Jews. But when the rebellion mounted up, the question came to the Christian community, will we take up arms against Rome? And if you were to read the text prior to the text we're reading today, you would see that Jesus in Mark predicts the destruction of the temple and advises that when the desolating sacrilege which is mentioned in the verses prior to this. And that's kind of code word for the eagle. You know, the, the symbol of Rome was the, the giant uh, eagle. Maybe you've seen it. Uh, it was often on the top of their standards and all of this. And when they sacked Jerusalem, they, uh, in the archway leading into the temple court, they put a giant eagle representing rome this is the this is the uh the the giant what, what did i call it the desolating sacrilege that mark talks about in here the words of jesus talk about and what jesus says is when you see the desolating sacrilege to run to the hills and go hide in the mountains in other words what jesus is saying in mark is do not get in the midst of this fight because you will lose, basically. So Mark is, des is describing the calamity, the persecution, the utter darkness that has come out of this particular situation. In the midst of all of this, when, when, when Jerusalem is falling, when Rome is asserting itself, when the Jews are taking up arms and there's a giant war going on, when it looks like all hope is lost, Mark is talking about the darkness and running to the hills and how you, it would be better not to be pregnant during that time because you need to move fast. Mark is describing a very dark and scary time for the, for the church and for the Jewish people. But in the midst of all of that, he suggests that there is yet hope to the one who endures. See, the point of any apocalyptic literature, whether it's this little apocalypse in Mark, whether it's the book of Revelation, whether it's Baruch or Enoch and some of these other apocalyptic extra-biblical writings or the desert, uh, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the point is always to call people to hope through our faithfulness. And what Mark, what Jesus is calling us to through the words of in Mark today is to hope and to endure. So why have this hope? For Mark, it, it, Mark is a little cautious in this. Jesus advises that it will be ugly and difficult in, uh, in that time and those in Christ 
must indeed preserve themselves, run to the hills, survive, and make it through. That is, and if they were to take up arms, there is no hope in that. There is no hope found in violent overthrow of the government oppressors. This is playing the game the Romans' way. And while it's tempting to violently throw off the shackles of oppression and get a little revenge in the process, Mark hears Jesus calling us to a different kind of hope. It's not a hope that's found at the end of a spear. It's not a hope that's found at the end of a gun. And also, Jesus says, do not look to the way things used to be for hope either. Do not look back to the ways that we used to follow. Do not look to the temple anymore because the temple will be destroyed. In the verses prior to the one we read today, Jesus is posed with the observation, hey, look how great this temple is. Look how beautiful it is. Oh, it's, it, you know, it's, it's glossy and white and it's, it's magnificent. There's gold up in front of it, right? And Jesus makes the observation that not one stone will be left unturned. And Jesus says, don't put your hope in that building and in things staying the way they are. The temple will be destroyed. But that's okay. Things must change. And the good things the temple used to represent, it doesn't represent anymore. Instead of becoming a conduit for relationships between people and God, it has become a barrier and a tool for the religious elite in Mark's time to hold on to power. So don't look to violent overthrow of the Roman government. Don't look to the old ways and the ways of the temple. All of that is for naught, and you will not find hope there. Rome will destroy the temple. But even this does not begin to touch that which brings us hope, says the Gospel of Mark to Mark's community. Our hope is found in the ever-coming Christ, the One who was and is and is to come. Amen? In all of it, Christ is the hope. And what is conveyed to Mark's world in that phrase, our hope is in Christ, is the reality that even as the world implodes on itself, the kingdom of God is still there. Because the reality is that the kingdom of God is not in Roman dominance, and the kingdom of God is not in the Jewish aristocracy of the time. The kingdom of God is in the heart of the believer. It is found in our ability to have faith in something that transcends this world and connects us to the sacred. For us, today, the hope Jesus talks about in Mark remains. This world will pass away, but My words will not, says Christ. How significant that is as we see before us a time when everything must change. I don't know if you're paying attention, but we are right now in the midst of transformation as a world, as a culture, as a society. It's transforming right before our very eyes. 
Yet our hope is in this. Christ is yet coming. And that statement is not about outlandish claims about the end of the world like we had back in May. I don't know if you remember when the guy said the world's coming to an end. It's about the rebirth of hope that happens every year. It is about the rebirth of hope that happens every time we turn to Christ. It is about the coming of Christ when we finally know in our hearts that God is there and God cares. It's about the Spirit of God that fills us when we go to our knees in desperate prayer and we rise up with the strength to press on. Amen. It's about knowing that at any moment, at any time, Jesus is there. And it is for us to open our eyes and look to Him. Open our ears and hear Him. And open our hearts and feel His presence wash over us like spring showers. So the economy is in the dumper and is changing. And quite frankly, if we're lucky, it will never be the same. We will never go back to the way things were. But you know what? Jesus is always coming. The globe will continue to warm up, and I'm not even sure there's much we can do about it. Yet, Jesus is always coming. More and more people think that faith is kind of silly, and maybe we shouldn't even look to God. But Jesus is always coming. We are not as secure as we used to be as a people as individuals, as a country. And yet, Jesus is always coming. America itself even seems vulnerable. And yet, Jesus is always coming. Giving us the strength we need. Giving us the insight we need. Calling us to a new kind of world that is there yet not achieved. That has been within our grasp yet we are always striving for. That world, that kingdom of God that Jesus came was born to us to show us and tell us about. To draw us into. To herald in. And to give us as an inheritance. We know we don't have it yet. Amen. We know we haven't achieved it. And we can't achieve it through economic dominance. We can't achieve it through military dominance. We can't achieve it through political dominance. We can only achieve it through the hope that is found in the things of God. Through living into and living out the kingdom of God. And living each day with Jesus in our hearts, and yet knowing that Jesus is still coming. That while we have not achieved all that God has called us to, yet someday things will come together. That's the hope. Someone asked me the other day, do you really think the church was going to survive? And, what, and this person wasn't talking about First Baptist. They were talking about the Christian church in general. I said, are you kidding? This is a great time to be a Christian. This is a great time 
to be uh, renewed in Christ. This is a great time to be exploring what it means to be a follower of Jesus in this day and age. There is no time better than now to start learning about who Jesus is for our lives. And in the same way, as I look around and things look bad, things look glum, my hope is in the human heart and the Spirit of God that is put there. I'm not skeptical or cynical about where the world is going. I think we have an opportunity right now to really bring into the world we live into an honest-to-goodness hope for something real, something tangible, something that's inclusive of everybody, and something that brings joy of living. So much of what we have done as a society has sucked the life right out of us. But Jesus says, I'm still coming. Hold on. Don't give up hope. Don't stop living for those things that I shared with you 2,000 years ago. In fact, live for them now like you've never lived for them before. Embrace a life in Christ that you've never had the guts to embrace before. Now's the time. Mark tells us through the ages to hang on and to keep awake and to watch for the works of God all around you. And why is that so important? Because His whole world is falling apart. And I guess I share with us as our world seems to fall apart, and there are days when it feels like it is all just coming to a screeching halt. We are called to look past that to the ever-coming Christ. What this text offers us today is the expectation of hope and the security that, of knowing that even as we go through the difficult changes that are a part of being in this world, the kingdom of God is found within ourselves and within this community. And the hope is found in He who came to us as a little child in a backwater town in an insignificant part of the world. Yet look what that little child has accomplished. And through us, through the things we do, through the kingdom of God we live out in our everyday lives, through our transformational gospel that brings us to a different kind of world, Christ is always coming. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we come into this season of expectation, this season of longing, and this season of waiting, we hear Your call to stay awake. And for us, we know that staying awake is about what we do as much as it is about what we do not do. We join Mark's community in looking around for the kingdom of God breaking in even in difficult times, even when it seems that the whole world is falling apart. We thank You for the hope that is found in this season and the hope that is found through the Spirit given to us through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.
Amen.